0: Hello and welcome to Omens and Epiphanies. I'm Grace and I'm going on a journey. I'm glad you're here. Today we're talking about the Hierophant who is a religious figure in some decks so if you'd like you can go see your deck right now if you have a tarot deck you love and want to get closer to. It's also a great time to go get some tea, some hot chocolate, some coffee. If you're driving, don't do these things. In the Fool's Journey, the Hierophant is the Fool's formal education. He has a purpose now when he's gonna go learn what he needs to learn to get there. And the number five is about conflict, imbalance, testing, and action. The Hierophant, or as he's known in some decks, the Pope, or even the High Priest, is generally a male figure with some sort of knowledge to be given. I have the same four decks in front of me as normal. I will have, I promise I will have other decks. (laughs) I do have other decks. These are just my favorites right now, so I wanted to talk about them. The Hierophant in the Steampunk Tarot is a old man with a beard. He's sitting in a chair with one hand holding an apple and the other one open. There's two children in front of him, a young man and a young woman. The young lady is taking notes and the young man is sitting and listening there's a stack of five books next to him three of which are very thick they look like textbooks rather than just book books the apple reminds me of Isaac Newton and Gravity so it's almost like a um, scientific talk that he's having with these two children The girl's notes don't look like they've written anything written on them, so it almost looks like she's just so entranced by his teachings that she's forgetting to write down her notes. The Hierophant in the Lightseer's Tarot. The Hierophant in the Lightseer's Tarot is a laughing man. Uh, His head is thrown back and his mouth is wide open with joy and laughter. He has a long braid and a gray shirt with the symbol of the um, Holy Trinity on it, the same thing that the Pope um traditionally has in tarot decks his hands are crossed in in his lap and his feet are touching so that way he's kind of it's not he's not crossing his feet he's doing it what's called a butterfly if you're stretching behind him is a staircase that leads up to a flower it's not a geometric flower um in terms of being one of the sacred geometries but it is this beautiful I guess probably a lotus um based on other tarot decks surrounding his head is this sort of aura of different theology symbols i see the fish from christianity the om from buddhism the celtic knot a pentagram the yin yang and some sort of swirled symbol that i don't recognize but is probably from wiccanism the hierophant in the sun moon tarot is sitting at the base of a tree his feet are crossed in front of him, but in a way such that his feet are overlapping, but his left foot is above his right foot, and it's pointing upwards a little bit. He's holding a key. Uh, behind his head is some sort of flower. Again, I'm assuming it's a lotus. <laughs> He's got a blue shirt with white bands and a white star, um, specifically like the Star of David, six-pointed star rather than the typical pentagram star, with I, probably a baby on it. It kind of looks like him in terms of the way the feet are crossed. To his right side is a cow. (laughs) This cow is so cute. It's just pure white, pink nose, pink ears, little two little horns, and he's looking right at me, which is odd because in this deck, the people don't have faces. They have shadowing that suggests the uh, presence of maybe a nose or a mouth or an eye. They don't have eyes or noses or mouths. The animals do. (laughs) Behind the hierophant is a willow tree. It's been pruned recently because its branches are not touching the ground like every willow I've ever owned. (laughs) But it is in full bloom. There's, I think, maybe a river behind the tree and then some other trees in the background. On the card is the Hebrew symbol Vav, which is a hook or connection. And the um, lotus behind his head with the five leaves is a broadened consciousness. The Hierophant in the Shadowscapes tarot is a tree ent, if I may be so bold. It's probably an oak tree. His roots are very deep into symbols on the ground, a sun, a moon, a lizard, a stacked rock's called a cairn, I think. He has this beard, and he's holding a staff, and on on his finger is a salamander, and there's another one on his um, on his other hand. So he's holding two salamanders, and there's one flying in the middle. I'm going to read straight from The Shadowscapes Companion by Stephanie Fee and Barbara Moore, and I'm going to read this to you specifically because it's the first Hierophant I read, and I, I don't read the books for meaning. I read them straight through, and whatever lands on me sticks, and this is the thing that stuck with me, and I tell the story every time I see this card. I would like a story, says the salamander to the Hierophant, and what would you like to hear, little one? the words come slowly. Each syllable seems to be drawn from deep within, pulled up from an individual rootlet. The salamander is used to it, and patient. I want to hear how I may fly. I was content, and then one day my friend Caterpillar said he was sleepy. He slept for a long time, until I nearly forgot him. Until yesterday. A moth came to laugh at me. He laughed with Caterpillar's laugh, and with Caterpillar's voice he said he had a dream of wings ah the sonorous exhalation seems to go on forever ah little one i am sorry caterpillar has that blessing he may sleep and dream of flight he weaves a silken ritual around his body and then comes the day when that vision transforms him you i wish to dream of flight too says salamander very seriously you may dream of it says his friend and teacher I will not be the one to deny you divinity, but just know that your own divinity shall be attained along a different path than caterpillars. Do not relinquish your dream, salamander. <sighs> yeah, I I think of that, how the salamander was like, I want to fly too, and he's like, you can't. <laughs> it's not your dream. And that that deeper wisdom that comes from having been around for a long time is really what the Hierophant means to me. Uh, It's usually somebody that's like beyond their years and ready to give advice when needed. And that's actually straight from uh, Tarot 101, who also says that the Hierophant's usually some sort of Jesus-like figure, like he's knowing, but also relates him to Dumbledore and Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I actually appreciated that about that. I recognize the wisdom and knowing from those other two characters more than I do Jesus. But if that's your cup of tea, drink it. Since I'm referencing the book Tarot 101, the pentagram is the symbol of man and the five senses. So spirit and sight, sense, touch. No. Yeah. Sight, sense, touch, taste, hearing. (laughs) I went to elementary school. I can do this. Any priestly garb that you see on a hierophant is usually the outward sign of spiritual authority. The keys that are, that are constant in these cards, in my four decks, only one of them actually is holding keys. But there are a set of crossed keys on the steampunk tarot hierophant card. The keys mean that the hierophant holds and can unlock knowledge. The pillars that are sometimes seen in the Hierophant card has a tie to the High Priestess. They usually come in a set, the High Priestess and the High Priest or the Hierophant. While the High Priestess is more of like a mysterious trusting yourself kind of knowing, the Hierophant is more of a religious focused learning. And it seems to me that the Hierophant is the kind of person who, where he's not going to tell you what you need to know, but he's going to tell you a story that's kind of like it. You know, he's gonna, he's gonna relate it to something else and then you get to dis- discern the meaning for yourself. And then any books that are present is specifically a tie to learning and knowledge. Also, um, the Hierophant is a card that relates to the zodiac symbol of Taurus. And in the Rider weight Hierophant card, the, the Hierophant looks a lot like the Pope and he's holding a staff with three lines going um, parallel to each other that's the holy trinity the father the son and the holy spirit tarot 101 says that um, typically the hierophant speaks wisdom with the authority of a higher power he is the teacher and wisdom giver though his knowledge comes from received and accepted tradition as opposed to the inner wisdom and inspired knowledge of the hermit which we haven't gotten to but we will we're going to do this all in order if you haven't noticed yet The Lightseer's Tarot um, specifically says, I am my own guru and my highest guidance is rooted in faith. The Hierophant, um, I don't know ancient Greek, surprisingly. I know I should, (laughs) just like I should know Hebrew. But in a couple places, I saw that the Hierophant was ancient Greek for priest. But then later, I saw it as manifestation of the sacred. So it's up to you. Now, the Hierophant is usually... A kind of gross card for people who read the tarot because we have overall not everybody not every time but overall have sort of pushed away against um, the idea of organized religion. Uh, I used to go to church. I loved the community of church. There was a certain time though that I was a camp counselor at a summer camp when I was a teenager and we had a movie during lunchtime where they were like hey scientists found human feet next to dinosaurs so obviously the Bible's true and I was like wow that's really cool I'm looking forward to hearing more about that and I looked and I looked and I looked and there was nothing and I just cannot support some some place that lies to children that's my personal belief I know there are Christian witches bless your hearts I love you I can't do it it's not for me but that's okay But I feel like I'm like a lot of people where at some point in your life the church, the Christian church or whatever else hurt you in some way, (laughs) lied to children or something. And so we push back against the Hierophant being a a pope. We don't like the Christian the Christianity in, in our tarot decks. But on the Wikipedia for the Hierophant, they say, quote, the papacy was not just a religious force, but was a political and military force as well. When the tarot was invented, the Pope controlled a large portion of central Italy. And then I went into their like reference section and I actually found the original article. Um, It's called History of the Hierophant from tarothermit.com slash Pope. Uh, They say, quote, Renaissance culture did not question the abstract ideal of the Pope as God's human representation on earth. The highest pinnacle of worldly authority. So it's not just the Pope being a, a religious symbol. When the tarot was invented, it was more of that worldly authority. So that's why it's in our tarot. It's not because it's like, oh, Christianity is here. In fact, in the 1700s after the Reformation, the Church of Rome insisted that the card makers remove the Empress, the Emperor, the papist, and the Pope, or the papist as the High Priestess. And so they actually had them just covered up by, <laughs> by a random cards. So actually, I'm surprised that we still have it because... The Church of Rome and us don't like it. But if the Church of Rome doesn't like something, then we love it. You know, (laughs) you know. The Hierophant is this is this learning. And I wanted to know how people learn or learned um, witchcraft and Wiccanism in the past. This was a deep dive for me because I actually know people who practice um, traditional Wiccanism. And so I, I interviewed them. Now, I want to be very clear right now, I'm going to sometimes mix up the words um, Wiccanism and witchcraft. But Lorene Couture, who runs Lady Ocelot's Emporium, specifies that all Wiccans practice witchcraft, but not all witches are Wiccan. Okay, so uh, witchcraft is an umbrella thing that a lot of people study, and then Wiccans study something very specific inside of witchcraft. Paganism is also an umbrella term that includes Wiccanism. So Wiccans celebrate traditional pagan holidays and they also practice witchcraft. So they're a very specific subset of both. Because of the church and satanic panic and just general things that people are afraid of what they don't understand, Wiccanism is an oral tradition, meaning that they don't write down everything. What that leads to is that it's like this game of telephone, right? Right. So somebody tells somebody else something and then they tell it to somebody else. It's what they remember. It's what sticks out. So British traditional Wicca or BTW is split into more than six, but six main sub traditions is what they're called. And each one is just a little bit different because of that game of telephone that comes from not having anything written down. There's Alexandria Wicca, Algard Wicca, Blue Star Wicca, Central Valley Wicca. Um, I cannot say this, but C-H-T-H-O-N-I-O-I, Cathanioi, Cth- maybe, listen, it looks like Cthulhu to me, which I can say, so, Cthulhu, Cth- I can't, I'm so sorry, um, but that Alexandrian Wiccan, which some of the traditional Alexandrian Wiccans don't think that this subset is actually one of the C- Alexandrian Wiccans, and then Gardenarian Wicca. Okay, they were all together in one place, and then they split up and went to different locations. I have not gone into a tradition. I have not spent time studying Wicca. This is just what I've interviewed others and what I've learned from my, my research, my week of research. It seems that every Wiccan subset has the Wicca, sorry, the Wiccan read, which is uh, another word for advice or counsel. And it's, and ye harm none, do what ye will. And means if, and ye is you, so if you harm none, do what you will. That's the golden rule from <laughs> nearly every religion. It's the one thing that us as humans have in common, is what I've what I've come to understand at least. What people who don't understand Wiccanism do is they say, you can do whatever you want. That's wrong. <laughs> no, no, if you don't harm anyone else, you can do what you want. That that's the key. The other thing that seems to be standard in all of the Wiccan um, studies or traditions is the rule of three, which is whatever energy is put out into the world is returned to you threefold. So if I wish harm on somebody, I'm gonna get harm three times as bad back or in three different sets of of times. They all seem to be duotheistic, which means they celebrate two different deities. Usually, it's a goddess and a god, or a lord and a lady. The goddess is generally the triple goddess, which is the maiden, the mother, and the crone, um, or the personification of the moon. And the lord is usually the horned god, or pan. And then what some traditions will do is they'll use the word great to connotate a deity that um, contains many other deities in their nature. So they're going to go um, and say the great Goddess or the Great Lady. In a book series that defined my childhood a little bit by Catherine Kerr, which is the Dagger Spell series, one of the lifetimes of one of the characters, she is a um, religious initiate. And part of her initiation is when those who are older and a little higher up in the hierarchy tell her that all of the goddesses are the same. So it's basically that (laughs) is what I'm understanding. In some Wiccan traditions, the every goddess is the same goddess and if not maybe that's what i should be doing i think that's what i believe okay um also they generally celebrate the moon cycles or espats um, and the sun cycles or sabbats uh so the moon cycles is every month um the full moon the new moon etc and then the sun cycles are the what we consider pagan holidays so is a really common one it's over by halloween it does not look like so when it's s-a-m-h a-i-n or something like that and it's every equinox every solstice and all the points in the middle of equinoxes and solstice i i don't know how to say that every point in the middle of those two the equinox is when the day and the night are the same length or equal the solstice is the opposite when the day is longer or the night is longer so traditional wiccan um covens will celebrate both of those things or all of those things I should say because that's a lot of stuff in there there's eight sun cycles and I don't know if there are 12 or 24 moon cycles that they celebrate but um they would meet that frequently I've heard that traditional Wiccanism takes a year and a day to study and I was like why (laughs) that just seems like some hoops the learnreligions.com article the history of a year in paganism on August 26, 2020 by Patty Whittington says that that year and a day actually shows up in a lot of early European traditions. In a feudal society, if a serf ran away, he was free after a year and a day. In Scotland, if a couple lived together for a year and a day, they had all the privileges of marriages without actually being married. And uh, in voodoo, they believe that souls remain in nearby rivers for a year and a day, and then they are reborn. It also makes sense to me in that when you're practicing all the different sun cycles and moon cycles it would take over a year for you to have done every single one of those so a friend of mine is in the central valley wicca tradition part of the british traditional wicca study so she studied for a year and a day in the first circle and then she leveled up i guess and she's going to be studying that for a year and a day her coven fell apart unfortunately so she either has to find the same coven or find a different tradition and restart her whole cycle so she might be stuck at level two for a while or the second circle for a while but I asked her a million questions (laughs) and um, she says quote the time allows everyone to see the progression of personal growth and decide if one is ready to move up so part of being part of a coven is that they they basically get to like interview you and get to know if you are worthy of studying with them I asked her what They study what the coven study during that time, and she says, quote, there are loads of reading old boring books, and some books that are great. There are also tons of memorization of rituals, because we are not allowed to use books or notes during a ritual. And I asked more about that, and she says, this was important because one needs to focus on the goddess and god. So... You can't have like your notes or your or your stuff there because you're you're fully focused on the goddess and gods. So it's not like you're to go wait, wait, then flip through and then keep going. I asked also who the goddess was, and she, she says, quote, the face of the goddess depends on the tradition. It can be a faceless deity or it can be someone specific. It's coven dependent. So I kind of covered that earlier with the lady and the and the lord, but it does seem that it depends on the tradition. And then as part of this, I also asked her if there's anything that she gained from being in a physical coven that she would like other people to also experience. And she says, yes, <laughs> with three exclamation points. Uh, she says the energy that is being passed around, it can be pretty intense and it is lovely. And that's another reason to vet newbies. Having that energy exchange is something that she really enjoys. And she's like, it's, it's like coming down from a high. it can be very intense. And I've, I felt that before in some of my shaman drumming circles. So I, I can kind of understand what she's saying, but those are fluid more, so it's not the same same group of people every time. So I can see how if you get used to one group of people, you come to expect certain energy and you don't really want that to be um, mixed up. The whole reason I'm doing this series is to get more of a depth of understanding of my own spirituality. So Wiccanism is one that kind of stood out to me as an option. The year and a day, um, thrice, so what's that, three years and three days of learning of memorizing and the fact that she specifically said there's old boring books and a few books that are great. And the memorization makes me feel like maybe I'm not interested in awakenism. But I'm on a Discord server for people learning witchcraft. And somebody was like, oh, how can I how can I do a spell on this person that's making my life really hard? And she wants me to leave work. So I want her to leave work because I don't want to leave my work. <laughs> and I just my my initial reaction was don't forget the rule of three. But as i said earlier not all witches practice wiccanism and so that might not be something that she knows so i feel like if i'm creating this conglomerate of religions that may be parts of wiccanism i like the rule of 3 and i've always kind of felt that to be true so whatever i put out into the world's coming back threefold which sounds a lot like karma and we're probably i'm probably going to touch on the appropriation of karma and the chakras at a later date but the golden rule is standard and i like the rule of but i don't know about i might who knows but now i know more about it i also want to say that the inner circle the innermost circle the one that takes two years and two days to even reach is incredibly secretive part of wiccanism being an oral tradition means that um, if you were not told the secrets <laughs> there's no way for you to know them And so I asked my friend if technology has has made Wiccanism different. And she goes, well, you can kind of look up at anything, but even if you did stumble on the secrets of inner circle, you're not going to know what you're looking at. They are so secretive, but the inner circle's secrets are probably not as, I don't know, earth shattering as one would assume, is interesting to me. I don't know if that's interesting to you, but there's always a high priestess. So there's always somebody that has been doing without Wiccanism for over three years and three days who leads the rest. She is the higher font in terms of Wiccanism. Okay, and then in that Discord group, somebody mentioned how witchcraft is so different now. And I was like, well, tell me more about that. And so one of the people that has been studying witchcraft for a long time said, oh boy, there are so many differences now. We had our different gifts among one another and on different paths too, but we were all just witches meeting together in basements, forests, and fields. Tools were what we made. Grimoires were secret and hidden. Spellwork was an invitation from someone. And learning to write the framework of a ritual was a privilege. You didn't use your real name, and of course, you never said you were a witch. The way of living the path itself has changed quite a bit, and I'm honestly happy to see it. Now we can walk into the forest for pure joy instead of retreating into the shadows. We can share our work and our love of how all things connect without fear we would be ostracized. As I'm learning witchcraft, I'm discovering that a lot of the foundation that I've built over the years has made me more prepared to do things like manifestation, spell work, understanding crystals, and all of that. that I have some concerns that brand new people jumping into witchcraft and going, oh, I want a spell for this just concerns me a little bit. So I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. (laughs) I don't necessarily think that things should be so secret that you have to study with one group of people for three years to find the answers or to learn the secrets. But I also don't feel like people should just jump right in and do something that they don't understand right away because of that rule of three that that if somebody were to curse somebody else, it would come right back and harm their life even more. That scares me. So be careful if you're going into witchcraft. Maybe we'll talk about what foundations I have in a later date. But for right now, you are your own guru and your highest guidance is rooted in faith. Gosh, I hope you learned something today. (laughs) I learned a lot doing this research just on the traditional study of Wiccanism, the way things used to be and how the, uh, how the Pope ended up in the tarot deck. So if you'd like to share anything that you know in the background or maybe you are studying Wiccanism and you want to correct anything I said, you can email me at omensandepiphanies at gmail.com. You can also find me on social media. It's kind of quiet right now because I'm still new. It's only my fifth episode total, I think. Yeah, but you can find me on Facebook, Omens and Epiphanies, Instagram, Opens and Epiphanies, Twitter, Omens Epiphanies, no and because Twitter's names are short and then um, TikTok, which I'm actually kind of on a lot. Um, on TikTok, I'm omens and epiphanies. So I hope you have a beautiful day. I hope you learned something and I'll help you. I hope you'll join me next week where we are going to dive into the lovers. All right. See you later. Bye.